thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment, are overbearing sports parents. Fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different in Pepsi. It's here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. The trade deadline came and went without a whimper, James, and the Cincinnati Bengals, despite our speculation and suggestion, decide to make no moves, along with really the rest of the NFL. The Carlos Dunlap trade ends up being one of the higher-profile trades of this trade deadline period, not counting necessarily yesterday's trade of Desmond King. So... We're going to talk about what that means for the Bengals. John Ross, Billy Price, Geno Atkins, A.J. Green, all those guys going to be on the roster for the rest of the year. Then we're joined by Bengals fan Commissioner Yaz, who, like many of you, is a dedicated listener to the podcast and has blown up on Bengals Twitter and in social media. And we're going to combine her appearance on the show today. We'll talk a little bit about where she came from what she thinks about the season so far. And then we're going to involve her in the mailbag. Today, our traditional mailbag day on the bye week. We got one question from Yaz, and that'll flow right on into the mailbag for the rest of the show. But James, before we get there, the Bengals didn't make a single trade that we suggested to them. John Ross remains a Cincinnati Bengal. Billy Price remains a Cincinnati Bengal after he just got a start. They've acquired B.J. Finney. They're expecting Trey Hopkins to be back after the bye week. No move there. No move for A.J., no move for Atkins. A real stand pat kind of deadline for the Bengals. And there were some guys out there that they could have gone after, too. There were. And and that's the thing is I thought that they were probably going to keep Gino. You thought that naturally. A.J., same thing. John's the one. Because even Billy Price, you think, all right, well, he's got another year left on his deal. Who knows with B.J. Finney? It's not the Bengals' way. And they might think that you know there's still some promise there for Price. But why didn't they trade John? That's the question mark. And I, I've seen a lot of people say, it takes two to tango or it takes two. And look, I guarantee you 100%, I promise you, there was a team that was willing to give up a seventh-round pick for John Ross. Maybe not a sixth, maybe not a fifth, and I would doubt that. But a seventh, yes. And so the the fact that they hold on, they held on to these guys, and for the most part, that's what happened across the league. I think it just it shows uh, where the Bengals are, their philosophy, and and I think a lot of teams across the league were worried about the salary cap next year and things like that. So, so now where do they go from here? I think that's the interesting point because. They can't go back and trade for Chris Herndon like you tweeted about, right? Which would have been a guy I think everyone would have signed up for. Well, that didn't happen. So now what's next? I think that's the the real interesting part of this conversation for guys like Billy Price, John Ross, and others. Yeah, Billy Price in particular is interesting. I mean, for the same reason as John Ross, will either of those guys be active coming mm-hmm. off the bye week? 
uh, John Ross almost certainly not, barring some sort of injury. He has been inactive for most of the season outside of a couple weeks where there were some injured players. So nothing really changes for John Ross. John Ross goes nowhere from here. He becomes a free agent. He, he's going to walk. He's going to go to another team, just like his teammate who was released today, Dante Pettis, his former teammate at Washington. And Billy Price with B.J. Finney coming along after the bye week, who, who are they going to like more? I think Finney has more of a track record, but hey, they just lumped a whole lot of praise onto Price's game and even gave him a game ball, right? Zach Taylor gave him a game ball. So it will be interesting to see how some of these roster battles shake out for the rest of the season. And really, we won't have clarity until probably five weeks, six weeks from now as to what their plan might be going into the offseason. But right now, it's hard for me to imagine the Cincinnati Bengals justifying bringing back A.J. Green. It will, will likely be a high, a high salary, a high price. Although maybe that's come down a little bit this season. Hard for me to imagine that they feel good about the amount of dollars and salary cap allocation that they've got for Geno Atkins if they're only playing him, you know, 20% of the snaps in a game. And so this does set the stage for some very difficult potential roster decisions this offseason for some of these veterans that were a part of the last Bengals core that might not be a part of the Joe Burrow Bengals core. And that's why I wanted to see more action today, Jake. I, I wanted to see action. I wanted to see them push the envelope and field offers and be aggressive the same way they were in March when they caught people off guard with DJ reader and Trey Waynes. And then they followed that up with Von Bell and it just kept going and going and going in free agency. That's what I wanted to see because to me, I think it's becoming even more clear who is and who isn't a part of the Joe Burrow Bengals. And, and that includes a Geno Atkins, who probably isn't at this stage. You, you know, if you could move him, I think you do that. I think you try to move some of these one-year guys for picks, for future assets. John Ross, for example, he's out of the freaking rotation. Why would you not get a pick for him? Even a seventh. A seventh is better than nothing, right? And that's that's the problem here is – you wonder if they're going to hold on to some of these guys too long when they have the crown jewel. They have the guy in Joe Burrow, and you can't do anything but put your pedal to the metal, push the pedal to the floor, and try to build around number nine. Of course, there's still eight weeks of the season left for some of these guys to prove their worth on the open market, to prove that they should be part of the Joe Burrow core, and we will just have to see how all that shakes out. Coming up next, we're joined by Commissioner Yaz, and we take a mailbag. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. It's different to be a Bengals fan in 2020, and not just because we're sipping our Pepsi from home for the most part, but there's a quarterback that we all know, collectively we all know, that Joe Burrow is the future of the Cincinnati Bengals. None of us can make the kind of impact that Joe Burrow has had on this team. Luckily, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because you're not going to be a member of the National Football League. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. The Locked On Bengals podcast is happy to invite Commissioner Yaz 
to join us today for the bi-week mailbag. We're doing some chats with fans this week, and Yaz is a content creator of her own. You can find her on Twitter, at Commissioner Yaz. She does her weekly pep talks. She's doing some stuff with one of our competitor podcasts, I guess, James, Bengals Brawl. But, hey, we're all one happy family. Yaz, how's it going today out in California? It's going good. It's actually 80 degrees today in November, which is really great, I guess you can say that. Um, But, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm really excited to be here. I'm sure you guys can tell because I can't stop smiling, and I'm sure listeners can't see me smiling. But I'm smiling from ear to ear. I'm very excited. Thank you for having me. I can't believe you're bragging about the weather. All right. It was like 30 degrees when I woke up this morning in Cincinnati at like six in the morning. So 80 degrees and you are smiling ear to ear. I'm uh, I'm a little jealous. I, I don't think that I'm bragging. I am very excited about it. But at the same time, I would rather like I haven't seen it rain here in I don't know, a year. Like I don't, <laughs> It's like not very, I, the sun is cool, but I'm over it. <laughs> that makes any sense. It's too nice. I get it. Yeah, exactly. So Yaz, you're you're in California. When we were talking before we started recording, you said half your family is 49ers fans, which obviously was hard for you growing up. But how did you come to be a Bengals fan? Were you in Cincinnati at some point? Is it because Tigers are cool? Was it a Chad Johnson thing? Like these are the common stories, but what's your story? Yeah, so it actually was 100% a Chad Johnson thing. It kind of started out because I always liked football growing up and I would go to a lot of 49ers and Raiders games. My family's kind of split in half because we live right near their territory. And I didn't really ever want to pick a side. But then as I started to get older, my brother-in-law, he would always talk to me about football and he knew how much I loved football and nobody else would ever kind of take the time to listen to me. But he always would. And he used to love Chad Johnson and he introduced me to him, I guess you would say. And then I just hopped on to the Bengals because of Chad and my like first or second season liking the Bengals. I got to go meet Chad at like a fan lunch in Oakland when they were playing the Raiders. And it was just a really cool experience. We got along very well, I will say, even though I was like a freshman in high school. Uh, But we got along great and we had a lot of fun. And then the next day he sent me a tweet and Twitter wasn't like that popular back then. So after that, it sealed the deal. And ever since I've just been stuck with the Bengals. I actually haven't, I've only been to Cincinnati once and that was last season. So, which is funny because I was thinking about this today and not only just like with the weather, but the people that I interact with on the daily from Ohio and me, we live such different lives and it's the weirdest funniest thing how different our lives are but I feel like I'm just a part of that community and before I was a Bengals fan from afar but this season I was like I'm just gonna thrust myself into this fan base and they have no choice but to accept me so here I am I think you're one of many many that jumped on the Bengals bandwagon during the Chad Johnson era I mean he made it fun to be a Bengals fan I mean the 90s were awful and those that are listening or think back to the 90s. And I, I remember the back end, Jeff Blake and Carl Pickens and guys like that. But Chad made it fun again. So I, I'm not shocked there. Where? So I'm going to be honest. And I asked Jake this before. Where did you come from? 
because of, I noticed you on Twitter from like four months ago, maybe or whatever. I, you know, at some point, at some point during this stint in Cincinnati, and I just came back to the beat in in April. So at some point between April and now, and I, I, I don't remember. You clearly have been a Bengals fan for the past decade plus, you know, fifteen years or so. When when did that happen? So I don't really know how it just exploded, and it was in like. August, the very beginning of August. It was I think that it came from a photo that I posted. There was this Twitter trend going around where it was like, uh, mentally I am here. And I had taken a photo with a sign last year um that was talking badly about the Browns and the Steelers. And I posted that and I said, Mentally I am here. And it just got so many retweets and so many followers. And at that point in time, I had already been a person that constantly tweeted about the Bengals but at that point I was like I'm just gonna ramp it up and see what happens so I just started going and it just started picking up traction then I made this TikTok video where I was like wearing all my different Bengals outfits and that one got me a lot more and here I am it happened so quickly it was definitely in the past like three three months I would say honestly your rise to Bengals Twitter stardom has been nothing short of meteoric. I mean, I, I don't know if we're we're signal boosting you or if you're going to be signal boosting us with with this podcast appearance. But as someone who does the weekly pep talks, you're you're part of what I would call the uh, very optimistic sect of Bengals Twitter. You, you generally see things glass half full. I, I've seen your distraught tweets in some of the games, some of the ways they found to lose this season. How is this season going for you as someone who is coming at content creation and interaction from really a, a very solidly fan-based perspective, whereas James, you know, he's out there on the beat, right? So there's a little bit of that that beat approach from him. And, and everybody that listens to me, well, people accuse me of being negative all the time. I like to think that I'm more of an analytical and, uh, you know, very uh, even keel perspective. So you come from another side. How has the season been for you on that side of the Bengals fandom? Oh, it's been difficult. <laughs> I, I, yeah. So I started for people that don't know, I started this thing called pep talks with the eyes, which was originally just going to be pep talks for the players. Like I, every week I wanted to give the players a pep talk, but then as the season started to get, going I noticed that the fans needed a pep talk more than the players because I hadn't really interacted with fans from Cincinnati before and then now that they're all over my timeline I was like whoa guys we need to we need to tone it down we need to be a little bit more positive and I would say I'm a very positive person but I also am realistic and so I just don't I choose not to put out the negative stuff because I feel there's already enough of it and I have this this like sixth sense where I'm very, I have a lot of empathy towards the players. So I feel like I want to be the positive fan to hopefully spread that because I hate when people get on Twitter and they start bashing players and, you know, it's 2020. So the players are probably on Twitter reading those and then that's not going to fuel them to do any better. They're just, (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, it's really hard to be positive sometimes. Some weeks when I'm getting ready to film the pep talks, I'm like, what the heck am I going to say right now? Like we have, we don't have very much momentum, but for some reason it always comes together. And I'm sad. This is a bye week because this week's pep talk would have been really good. I feel like we have some good things to build on, but I like whoa, to whoa, be a whoa. positive one. Whoa. 
you definitely need a bye week pep talk. Yeah, I was thinking uh, about that, but what, who am I? Gonna, what am I going to say? Well, <laughs> either the fans can celebrate. I mean, there's a lot. We can figure that out. There's there's a lot of options actually. If you want to give the the players a pep talk during the bye, you can certainly do <laughs> Stay that. Stay home. COVID is real. Yeah, I I love that idea. You know, but no, I I think you have options. I in this is the time where you can get creative. I don't know. I think this is when we could see creative Yaz on this week's pep talk. <laughs> You're like, come on, pull out the creativity. Here's the thing. Sometimes I don't I don't like to plan them out too much. I just like them to come to me. So we do have a couple of days left in the week. And I, that is a good motivator. So thank you. Hopefully pep talk coming on Friday. Maybe a post trade deadline pep talk. Well, OK. You're like, what? No, no. Yeah, I know. I'm just like, well, the trade deadline wasn't very exciting. But all those players are still on the team, right? And exactly. So for, that's that's true. Okay, see, wow, look at you guys are the positive ones now. <laughs> we're, we're just here to uh, to help you brainstorm for this week's pep talk with Yaz. Of course, you can check that out when she posts it on Twitter. Today on the Locked on Bengals podcast, though, Yaz, we, as you know, have a tradition of trying whenever possible. Sometimes the news is just too much and we can't fit it in, but whenever possible, we like to take questions from our listeners and we usually get to like six and and we go through and we're like, oh man, we have like 15 good questions this week or 20 good questions. And and then we bite off more than we can chew because James and I both talk too much, but you've, you've been sending us some questions lately. And since you're here, I'm just going to let you ask your question to kick off this week's mailbag. Okay. Yay. I actually, this is one of my favorite things because when you answered my question last time, I was really excited. And then sometimes I'll check your Twitter and I'm like, well, when's the mailbag this week? And so when I saw that, I was very excited about it. But my question this week was, if you could get hired to work for the Bengals, what position do you want? And what's the first move that you make? Oh, this is easy. This is easy for me. Jake, get ready. This is your nightmare in my dream. GM, baby. The first real GM in Bengals history. James Erpine. Come on down. What, what do you think about that? What do you guys think? Well, you have to answer the rest of the question. What's the first move you make? Oh, the first move I would make is, is hire Jake to be our designated podcaster for Bengals.com. And he well, would interview Dan Ford, Dave Lapham, and the rest of the crew. At least one of us would have experience <laughs> for the job <laughs> in that scenario. Oh, get out of here. I oh, kill it. I you. would kill it. There would never be a boring trade deadline. We'd be rolling. Oh, man. What, like, who would be on the Bengals right now? Trent Williams would be on the Bengals right now. Yep. John Ross, Joe would, John Ross would be wide receiver number one. What, what else would be going on? Actually, he probably wouldn't. Because back in 2016, Burrow probably wouldn't either. Or in 2017. Oh, yeah. I would have been, been taking quarterbacks, baby. Yeah. I've talked about quarterbacks for a damn decade with Andy. So, you know. But so, anyways, that, 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 that's me. What about you, Jake? What, what position would you take? If it's me, I, I want to be in a position where my, my personal passion here is, is to learn more. And when, when I get the, the people that are experienced, the, the QB coaches, the – the ex-offensive line coaches, the ex-head coaches, when, when they break down tape and explain, like, this is a play concept, that's what I'm into. So 
the 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 job I think that would get me going in that direction that I think is actually like just like has a sliver of realism in terms of qualifications, just a little bit, not a lot, is is like a a, a film uh, film. What 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 what's the, what's the what's you know what this job is? The guy that like cuts the film film assistant, film sure. assistant. I think yeah. that's the thing. Yeah, done. You're hired. Great. So you're I'm the, the GM. GM of the Bengals, baby. You're hired. And, I got and, it. and so what are we hiring Yaz to do? Yaz, what's your job? Uh, obviously, I'm going to take over ownership because ownership. I'm the one hiring James as my GM. Uh, no, I think realistically, if I if I got to decide. I would do something along like, and no offense to the people in these positions now, okay? Just throwing that out there. But maybe something with operations or marketing, we need to just like give the team a little more pizzazz. Uh, I'm talking more stadium, facilities, facilities. That's actually what I work in now. So I think that's why I'm picking that. But facilities, I'd love to give Paul Brown Stadium a makeover. The renovator. We have a lot yes. more questions to get to, Yaz, from some of our other listeners, and you're going to stick around and answers, answer those along with us coming up next. We talk about it all the time. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet. They're my go-to each and every day, whether it's a midday snack, a post-workout protein-packed supplement, whatever you need it for, Built Bar is for you. They taste great. They have 18 different flavors. And the best part isn't the taste, which like I said, they taste amazing. It's the fact that they're low in sugar, high in protein. So they fit your macros, whatever diet you're on, Built Bar is for you. And right now, you can save money with the number one protein bar on the planet. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On. you're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Let's keep things rolling on a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. To continue with the mailbag, Commissioner Yaz still here. Jake's still here. I'm still here. And so is Corey on Twitter who asks, how many wins in the second half do you think it will take to quiet the fan noise from the anti-Zach Taylor crowd? What are the chances they hit that number? And then he gives his take. I think it's four for a 6-9-1 final record given the rest of the schedule, I think it would be a disappointment if they didn't get there. Initially, when I looked at the schedule for the rest of the season, I thought, I think they'll probably win three more games. But after further consideration and looking at the Washington roster a little bit more, I'm starting to move closer to four. I initially was a little bit skeptical about the Washington game because I think that there are some, some uh, you might call them, uh, sweaty young problems on that defensive line in Washington, uh, meaning sweat and chase young. It's a terrible pun. We can let it go, but th- there are wow. some pass rushers that, that have given the Bengals problems this year. Joe Burrow seems to be getting more comfortable in that respect, but it's going to really depend on how they, how they deal with the pass rush. So are there winnable games? Yes. New York left on the schedule. Washington left on the schedule. Dallas now without Dak Prescott. Very winnable games. Miami? Mm, that one gets pretty interesting, I think. But the, the offense with Tua Tungo-Vailoa now playing, who, who knows, right? The defense looks good in Miami. The offense right now didn't have to do anything in Tua's first game. We'll see how that goes the rest of the season. Yaz, 
I have a feeling you're going to have higher expectations, but I also have a feeling that maybe you're not part of that anti-Zach Taylor crowd, but from your perspective, how many wins to quiet the crowd? And do you think they'll hit that number? To be realistic, I don't know if any amount of wins is going to quiet an anti-Zach Taylor crowd, because even if there is one, two, three, four, four wins that come along, that fifth one, the anti-Zach Taylor crowd is going to pick him apart right away. I feel like that's just my true take on it, but I'm hoping that they pull off five more wins. Um, Giants, Cowboys, Texans, of course. Uh, I would really like to see them beat the Ravens the second time around, and if we could pull an upset on the Steelers, I'll do anything. When I pray at night, I ask God, what do I have to do to beat the Steelers one time this season? I'll do anything. So, that's yes, I'm a little bit more optimistic than you guys, but I'm also realistic. I would say four to five wins. That's what I'm hoping for for the rest of the season. Well, you don't know what I'm going to say. What if, what if I say they're going to win eight straight playoffs? Well, you say don't know. You more won't. optimistic than me. I no. Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, I think I have them at five. I think they're going to be five, ten, and one because this team we saw it with the Colts and Browns. Two games they should have won. Eagles tie. Chargers week one they they should have won those games and they blew four of them and so my guess is that they're going to win a game that they shouldn't like they did against Tennessee blow a couple games that they should win and win a couple games that they should win so I've met five is that enough to quiet the crowd no but it's enough for Zach Taylor to come back for year three so I think that that's probably the minimum for that five ten and one that's where I have them, at least right now. Maybe I'll change my mind. Maybe they'll use John Ross more. I'm not sure. But that's where I'm at right now. Here's how you quiet the the fire Zach Taylor crowd is you beat the Steelers. And if that's one of the wins, yeah, it's like you said, if that's one of the wins, I think that goes a long way in uh, fans starting to buy into the Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan relationship. Next question is for you two, because people that have been listening for a long time know that I don't really drink, but the Bengal, who's running some charity fantasy leagues, James and I are in one of them, asked last week, and he's asking again differently this week, what's your choice for club dub drinking? Is it beer, bourbon, or scotch? And he sees you, James, as settling in with a nice Macallan 18, which I'm going to pretend I know what that is. Is it whiskey? I mean, I... I guess here's the thing is the bourbon craze is like taken off. I feel like specifically in the Midwest right now, and maybe it's just across the country in general. Look, I, I think, uh, I think bourbon's good. I don't go out of my way for it to, you know, if it's not at the store, I'm not going to go wait in line like some people. So, you know, I'll drink a makers, you know, with an ice cube. Uh, but, but my go-to is usually a beer, like on a Saturday, if I'm just hanging out or, you know, just watching TV or whatever, it's a beer and it could be a variety, but the the bad and sad part about this guys, I could drink anything. So like whatever's in the fridge is, is my go-to. So, uh, the, the list is pretty long. So as specific as I am with like built bars, when it comes to alcohol, I'm not picky. That is very surprising because I am very picky and I, I'm on the bus that believes that if it doesn't taste good, you just don't drink it. So I have a lot of friends that will just take anything. And I'm like, no, no, no. We have to get very specific here. I 
I love Corona's. That's my beer of choice. And then my alcohol, like hard alcohol would be tequila. I'm a pro at tequila shots. They, they taste like water to me. It's amazing. So those are my two favorites. Bourbon, whiskey, never really been a fan. Ugh. Yeah, sorry. But I do know like Woodford Reserve is good. <laughs> Woodford is good. That, that's funny. So I have a friend in L.A. and he went to L.A. and then he became a tequila fan. So I think that's a Cali thing. I think yeah. you Californians love your tequila. Yeah, I guess that I think so as well, because you said the bourbon craze thing. And in my head, I was like, what bourbon craze? <laughs> I said Midwest. I did because did. it is. It's weird. People are I have friends that will go wait in line at like 8 a.m. to get an exclusive bourbon. No. Guess what? I don't want to do at 8 a.m. ever wait outside <laughs> a store for a bourbon. Yeah, that sounds awful. But if you guys do that, listeners, it's OK. Jake, if you do that, it's OK, too. I uh, don't really drink, as as our listeners know. I was trying to think when you started talking about tequila, when the last time was that I had tequila. And it's either 13 years ago. Wait a minute. That math doesn't work. I wasn't 21 yet. Can't be that long ago. Must have been 10 years ago. Okay. Or or uh, maybe it was maybe maybe once in the last five years. I had some bad times with tequila in the past, but also some good times. Tequila is fine. And you know what? Tequila is good is like the fancy tequila, the sipping tequila. Uh, if I'm going to drink, I can start to get behind some of those those nice age. I don't know what they are. I don't know anything about alcohol. I'm not going to pretend that I do, but I do know some stuff about football. We're going to take one or two more questions depending on time here. Next one comes from Nathan Atkins at Bedron Lames on Twitter. Assuming the offensive line is completely healthy heading into week 10, who do you think will be starting along the interior? People are going to hate my answer. And this, obviously, look, the key here, we have to reiterate it, assuming health from left to right, I would bet uh, 10 tequila shots on it. It's going to be Jonah Williams, Michael Jordan, then at center. It's not Billy Price, Trey Hopkins, obviously. Alex Redmond going to stick in there at right guard and Bobby Hart is still going to be your right tackle. That's what's going to happen if they're healthy, but that's a big if. I think the only place that I really disagree with you, if everyone's healthy is right guard. I think that Redmond hasn't done enough to fend off Xavier Suofilo or even Quentin Spain, who, uh, you know, for, for a game when he didn't get any snaps in the walkthrough played quite well. He gets two weeks to learn the terminology. I think they're bringing him in to start, but we'll see what happens. I mean, Redmond went from cut to starting in very short order. He He's clearly earned his way back into Jim Turner's good graces at this point. And so the right guard is the one where I have questions. I'm with you on the other positions. And Bobby Hart might actually be back after the bye week after I thought it was a season ending injury. Sounds like there's some some rumblings that Bobby Hart could be back after the bye week. And it's worth noting, the last games that Mike Jordan and Bobby Hart played against the Browns were the best games of their season or career, depending on which player it is. Yaz, do you have a strong feeling about who's going to be starting on the interior of this offensive line? For the most part, I agree with your lineup James, but I also agree with you, Jake, on Quinton Spain. I feel like there was something about his presence that just I like on that offensive line. And the other 
questionable one would be Billy Price and Trey Hopkins, I would say, just because Billy Price has gotten a lot of praise. And it's just, we also have to remember, you're thinking of it from a football perspective where Zach Taylor tends to do things sometimes from a nice person perspective. And he's given a lot of praise. I wouldn't be surprised if the coaches got together and stuck him in there somewhere. The thing is, I just I think Billy, he he did earn a lot of praise for doing his job. I will believe when I see that he is out of Jim Turner's doghouse. And and that would mean that he somehow is is getting another chance to start after the bye. If it were me, I'm with you guys on Quentin Spain. He'd absolutely be starting at left guard. Michael Jordan will be on the bench learning where he should be anyways. And uh, so that, that's where I'd put him. But who knows? It, it seems like the coaching staff just loves Jordan and his potential. That's why I have him in that left guard spot. And and I would I would agree with you if he hadn't had a good game against the Browns. And I think that the way the coaches are going to see it, and, and hey, we could all be wrong. I think the way the coaches are going to see it is he just had a really good game. He's taking strides. He's making progress. Let's put him back out there after the bye. Unfortunately, that's all the time that we have for this podcast. Yaz, thank you so much for joining us and joining in the mailbag. It's been a, a lot of fun. I know you've got a busy day ahead of you, but maybe we'll do this again one day. Thanks for having me. This was fun. And for the rest of you, we're back tomorrow. And it is the bye week. We're still talking to some other folks about some other guests we might have on the rest of the week. We might carry some of that over into next week as, as you know, things can go slow for news on bye weeks from time to time. We're also going to get into some midseason awards, and I'm sure we'll talk plenty about Joe Burrow. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day, and have a good one.